farming. We're living in a technology world. Yeah. Yeah. But thank goodness, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Presume. Mm -hmm. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Today, we are having a wonderful cooking demo from a registered dietitian that I met many years ago when I was producing conferences in Los Angeles called Healthy Taste of LA. And at the time she was working with a wonderful plant-based doctor, Dr. Columbus Batiste, who's been on the show a few times. And now she moved from the West Coast to the East Coast where she's working with another amazing plant-based doctor, Dr. Michelle McMackin. And I hope all to hear all about her travels and her journeys. But she's not just a dietitian, she's an amazing chef and she's gonna be making a Peruvian sweet potato mousse with a roasted maple pecan topping and a Peruvian lima bean stew. And word on the street has it, there might be even a bonus recipe. Please welcome to the show, Lily Correa. It's so nice to see you. I Are you out of high school yet? Hi, everybody. Yeah, I just had my quinceanero, you know, my sweet 15. <laughs> you look so young. <laughs> Thank you. How are you, Chef? I'm good. It's so nice to see you again. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it was funny because you, it's, being on, on your show with you is kind of one of those things that I never imagined would happen. I mean, when I first came into the plant-based world, you were one of the people that my my colleague Heidi and I were just always trying to emulate in our, in our kitchen when we worked with uh, Dr. Batiste. She actually still works with Dr. Batiste over at, in, uh, at Kaiser. Um, but we would always be watching your show. And then when we, we actually, when we met you also in Toronto, because uh, Healthy Taste of LA, we were there as well with Dr. Batiste. And then uh, we ended up going to Toronto for that food. Um, oh, I forget what what it was what it was called exactly, but it was a very gathering, and it was in Canada. And Brenda Davis was there. Anyway, so we got a picture with you there, and it was just great to. The I know what you mean. It was called the Remedy Remedy Conference. Yes, that's the one. The Remedy, and um, and we had those little bracelets. We wore them for a really long time, Heidi and I. <laughs> They eat to the left, eat to the left. Eat to the left of the red line. Thank you. Yes. I actually I should have mine on today. You know what I do is it, it, it got too big, so I keep it on my, my water bottle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I still have it. I just, you know, I've moved around so much. There's so many things in little packages everywhere. So how does one leave California to go to the cold East Coast? Yeah. So actually, I uh, grew up here in Massachusetts. It's where I'm currently at right now. I'm, I'm in the house where I grew up. This is a uh, in Northboro, Massachusetts. And so what happened is I ended up going to California first and because I went to school out there. I went to Loma Linda University uh, for nutrition. Um, and then I moved back here because I actually wanted to go to the Natural Gourmet Institute because when I was working uh, with Dr. Batiste and Heidi, I really saw that connection in the kitchen um, that we're able to provide when we give patients not just a you know, here's something that you should eat. He's a plan, but also let's get in the kitchen, you know, and let's make something and taste it and, and see how amazing this whole food plant-based life could be, you know, and then to watch the patient's faces, you know, when they tasted something, when they saw how easy it could be, you know, that's that like, it just, there's a switch that went off in me saying, I need to really get into cooking a lot more, at, you know, at a, at a higher level to round myself out more as a dietitian. And so I ended up applying to Natural Gourmet Institute in New York, and that's how I ended up in New York. Now, after that, my plan was to actually go to Peru where my family is from 
And I wanted to intern at this restaurant called Greenpoint, which is actually the most amazing plant-based restaurant I have ever tasted. And you know, I've traveled to over 15 countries and counting now. And that place is just, I would get on a plane, it's in Cusco in Peru, uh, where you know it's on the bottom where I'm on the road to Machu Picchu. And what an amazing place. I wanted to go and intern there. That was my plan because I really wanted to connect with my Peruvian roots. Um, and that's when that the plant-based lifestyle medicine job kind of opened up and I, and I heard about it and I saw it and, you know, I just had to stay in New York <laughs> because of that. So now I am living in New York. Well, currently in Massachusetts because of, we're working remotely because of uh, COVID, um, but I go back and forth from, from New York to a time and then to here with my family in Massachusetts for another, another well, time. Do you know Maya? Cause she's saying hi. Hi Maya. <laughs> yes, I do. And thank you. She's great. <laughs> That's so cool that you that, that you actually took such an interest in wanting the food to not just be nutritious, but to be delicious. Yes. So, and that was the other thing, Chef, with, so for this demo, I actually, this is, I've been on this journey of really trying to connect with my roots a lot. Um, because I don't traditionally, you know, in my repertoire of cooking, I don't cook Peruvian food. And so I've been really starting to try out more things and on the phone with my mom and then Zoom, you know, with my grandma and my mom just really trying to, you know, get these flavors, get these recipes going because Peruvian cuisine, you know, is, is, has been voted for World Travel Destination Awards Peru as a country, you know, five or six years in a row now is just like a culinary destination. And there is so much of Peruvian cuisine that could be done plant-based, you know, so that's really what I want to, what I want to bring, you know, to, to everybody, just really a lot of the, the culture and all of these different flavors that we could introduce into our palates, you know, and, and, you know, right now we just finished the um, Latino Heritage Month as well, you know, October 15th. So I thought this would, you know, would be like, it would be timely to also talk a little bit about my culture. Um, if I could start with the, with the lima bean recipe, um, I, I decided on this one because I heard that people are not very excited about lima beans here. This was, <laughs> this was news to me I, just you know, a few days ago. Um, I was actually gonna do a Peruvian bean recipe, which I had done with, with Heidi at Kaiser before. Um, but you know, since I heard that people are not into lima beans, I wanted to come and just really speak for lima beans because they are such an awesome, you know, nutritious legume and they have such a rich history in my country. So I'll just tell you guys a little bit. This is one of the oldest legumes that's cultivated in, in Peru. And it was about seven or 8,000 years ago in the pre-Incan culture, the Mochicas, right? So they were cultivating this, these beans and they had, they used it for, you know, medicinal properties and they used it, you know, because they also felt that they had all of these mythical properties, you know, like curative properties as well. Um, so there's, a, there's all of these legends around the, the lima bean. And one such legend was that in the place Ica, where this, this lima bean is cultivated the most, um, there was a god, his name was Yampayek. And that is the Inca, you know, the Quechua language. Yampayek was a god that, you know, loved, had these, these lima beans that he spread all throughout the land of Ica. And, um, you know, everything was happiness and um, sunshines and rainbows. And one day he actually saw that his fields were starting to be populated with different legumes. And so he got really sad 
And he ended up, you know, just getting his lima bean and walking away with it and leaving the land, you know, just walking away with his legume. Now there was famine in the land. There was floods from, you know, from his tears and the, the people of the, the villages, you know, would, would do sacrifices to him and would say, you know, please come back. You know, we, you know, missing that, that lima bean. And so finally, after much pleading, because he loved the land so much, he decided to come back and bring the lima bean back and um, really establish the, the whole town of Ica as its, you know, rightful place where the lima bean is the most cultivated, you know, the most varieties um, in the world. Wow, so, so you're not only a chef, you're not only a dietitian, you are a historian. <laughs> I just think, you know, what's really cool about food, Chef, you know, as you know, is also, and this is an approach that I take with my patients often, is really looking at our connection to food. That's super important. You know, a lot of times people will come into my consult and they'll say, you know, I, I hate beans or I won't eat this vegetable or that because of the way they grew up with it, you know, how they were introduced to it, you know, and all of these things. So, you know, we really talk a lot about the way that we're attached to food through here. So I always tell people, you know, um, if you think you can't do without A, B, or C, or if you think you can't try A, B, or C, you know, really what we have to, what you have to know is that it's 80% here and 20% here, right? Because our mind is really what's most attached to the way that we eat food versus physiologically speaking, you know, it's every two to three weeks, our, change, our taste buds are, are changing. And so really we can adapt to all of these amazing tastes as you know, you know, our palates start to, to change. And so I just tell people, trust your body. It will, you know, it, it will recognize all of this amazing food and you will start to get a taste for it. Kind of like when you tried something years back, you didn't find a taste for it, but then you came back to it years later and you're like, oh, this is actually not bad, right? So I tell people these examples, then they start to be a little more open, you know, to trying things. So, yeah. well, they say you have to try something like 15 times for it to become a preferred food. Oh, there you go. That's awesome. And I just heard also, I was listening to Michael Greger's um, How Not to Diet, his, his latest book. And he was talking about some research that now they're looking at taste buds changing every 10 days, not every two to three weeks like we had thought, thought before. So it's even sooner that this can happen, you know, when we are, we are looking at our taste changes. So that's pretty, that's pretty great. That's know amazing. That, right? Our body's going to really um, help us when we start making these changes. So it's never hopeless. It's never hopeless. All right. Well, let's get into, into this recipe here. Um, this first one, I've already, so I've already looked at the, making the, the lima beans in the pot here. Let me the hands real quick. All right. So what's really great about these lima beans, you guys, is that for a cup, you're really getting somewhere around 14. I, you know, I've looked at different labels for the different companies that sell them, and I'm, I'm getting anywhere from, from 13 to 15 uh, grams of protein uh, per cup. And that's a pretty awesome, you know, amount there. And also with fiber, pretty high up there, a, a similar range. I believe I put that in my recipe as well of the average that I was looking at. Um, the other thing that you'll find that's great about lima beans is they cook so quickly. So if you have something like the Instant Pot, um, which I know, Chef, you are a fan of because you're the reason why I bought mine, <laughs> right? And you're the reason why we got one at our kitchen at Kaiser as well. We just loved watching you make all those recipes. 
uh, in the instant pot. But with the lima beans soaked overnight, when you're doing a pound of them, you only need to put it for one minute. So that's it, you know, it's just like with, with lentils, you need to put them for three, lima beans, you need to put them for one. So that's great. Um, in Peru, how we make the, the lima beans is with the spices that, that I have put here in my recipe. Um, so we're looking at the cumin. So traditionally, actually, let me tell you, traditionally, it, it goes with a piece of pork, right? And so to recreate some of that, that those flavors that I did not put in there, we're using cumin, right? Uh, doing oregano, a little bit of salt and pepper. That's pretty much what I have in here. Now I have optional paprika and turmeric, you know, once you do a base recipe, you can, you know, you can season it to your liking. Um, but this is just the base ingredients. Um, and then, so I put it in there for a minute, it's already done. And what people in Peru do is that they actually make separately, and I'm going to turn on this pan here, um, separately, they are going to be making uh, a little saute, a little aderezo, what we call, like a sofrito um, with just tomato, with some onion, some garlic that I have here. And then what people do is they, they actually, they saute a little bit and then they blend it, right? Blend it all up and throw it in the pot and then stir it up. So that's how, that's how they serve the lima beans really. Now in the Instant Pot, you can actually, um, you can actually also just throw everything in there. I've done that too. It's not gonna look as pretty um, with all of the little parts in there. So for me, I don't, I don't mind if I'm just eating it <laughs> for myself, um, but you're gonna be serving it to someone. I'd probably do the blending, the blending part better. All right, so I'm gonna turn this on here. So Lily, a couple of people are asking if you could talk about your experience at Loma Linda. Oh, sure. So Loma Linda, I am a very proud alum of the School of Public Health. And I knew I wanted to, when I knew that I wanted to become a dietitian, that's the only place that I actually apply to because I, I was very interested in vegetarian nutrition. I actually grew up Seventh-day Adventist. So my grandpa was a pastor and he was the only one in the family that was vegetarian growing up. So I've, you know, I've always been interested because of him um, in the vegetarian lifestyle, or I was always interested. And um, then I always tell also the story that I grew up playing um, volleyball in high school and in college. And when I went to college, I played alongside many vegetarian athletes who looked and played and, you know, the level of everything was just, it was the same as um, the omnivore counterparts. So this was during a time when people were saying that vegetarian diets were inferior for performance. So that also made me wonder, you know? Um, so I was interested in vegetarian and, and vegan diets um, because growing up at Seven Adventists and also because of athletics. Um, just checking my pen here. And so I, when I decided that I wanted to be a dietitian, I actually got it, packed up my bags and drove across the country to Loma Linda without being accepted into the program. <laughs> I, I actually was an English major before, so I was teaching English, um, college writing. And so that, that was my career change. I, I went into dietetics, but I had to do, you know, it was a complete, you know, shift from the humanities into, I'm just cutting up my onion here, from the humanities into, um, 
the, the sciences. So I had to take microbiology and all of these other, um, all of these other courses, the chemistries and anatomy physiology. And then uh, once I was done with all those six months, I got accepted into Loma Linda. And that's, that's the story for there. I really enjoyed my program there. Um, one of the great things about Loma Linda is that they're also very into medical missions. And so I got to travel with Loma Linda and medical mission teams, like dental teams or, you know, just MD teams, PT teams into different countries, four different countries, Honduras, Belize, Brazil. And it was really cool uh, because I got to do a lot of public health and nutrition, uh, both education and, and definitely learning, you know, how to use different aspects of the lands, different fruits and stuff like that. So it's, uh, I, it's a great program. I really enjoyed it. Oh. And the new thing about Loma Linda actually is that they, they, they're announcing, or they just announced, I believe in 2021, the first master's in, of science in plant-based nutrition. I want to do that, but they, it, when I looked into it, you had to be in person. I wonder if they're doing it remotely now. Interesting. I don't know. We'll have to look into that as well. Yeah, because it's not supposed to start till the fall of 2021. But um, I know that they definitely have a lot of distance learning stuff. So that would be good to look into. All right, now, of course, I do the water saute situations. I have my water here. I'm not using any oil for this. Usually in Peru, they would, they would use some olive oil for this. And what I'm doing is I'm sauteing uh, my onion here first. And then I'll do my garlic and my uh, tomato so that I can go ahead and blend it afterwards and throw it into the lima beans. Yeah. All right, here we go. Now in Peruvian cooking, the red onion is definitely king, okay? We, um, I know that here in the United States, I see the red onion used a lot for raw salads and things like that. Um, but I see people mostly cooking with yellow onions here. But in Peru, you know, it's the very big majority of cooking happens with the red onion. So that is what I'm using. I'm trying to stay as traditional as possible. <laughs> Um, now, it's really tough when, I'm, when I was trying to do these recipes um, I, with my mom and my grandma, because it's funny, everybody cooks different. And, and, you know, when you're trying to get these recipes passed down, um, nobody has written things down. So it's kind of like, oh, I don't measure this, but I use a smidge of that and I use that. And my grandmother says to me, no, but I don't, I don't do it that way. It's this way. And then, my, you know, so guys, you know, this is a recipe that uh, it came the closest to what I remember from childhood. It also has a little bit of lily in here as well. Um, <laughs> so it, it was awesome. It was a great learning experience, you know, because definitely um, learning from them, all the different flavors. And it also reminds me too that we can all, you know, take a recipe. It, it is really like it's the base and then you do what you want with it right? Like you adapt also your own flavors and seasonings into things as well, which is great. That's the, that's the fun stuff about cooking. I didn't learn to cook, you know, maybe for maybe like 10 years ago was probably when I first started to, to learn how to cook because um, I wanted to be a modern day Peruvian woman where, you know, I don't, I'm not going to be in the kitchen. <laughs> so I definitely rebelled against that kind of that kind of lifestyle, but then I also uh, regretted it. I mean, nowadays I definitely do, but it's, it's been really fun to be able to um, hang out with my mom and grandma and get all of these recipes going. 
We're trying to recreate them at least. That's right. so cool. Yeah, so I just have my, um, my onion saute in there. And then the celery is going to go next. Just use, so now traditionally, again, we don't use celery, but I like celery. So, and I like the kind of flavor that it gives um, off. So if you want it, to, you want to be a little closer to Peruvian, you leave the, leave the celery off. <laughs> All right. So Chef, have you ever traveled over to Peru? I have never. The yeah, only countries I've been to so far are Mexico, Japan, and, and Canada. That's it. Ah. So I, when COVID uh, lets up here, you definitely should make a, a journey over there. I'm very excited to let everybody know that there's so many vegan places popping up in Peru. Uh, in Cusco, you know, where it's the city before Machu Picchu so much great plant-based cuisine and happening all over the city as well. So that's very, very exciting. We will never go hungry. <laughs> all right. So are you able to talk any, a little bit about what, what you do in your job? I mean, now that you're, you have to do it remotely now, I imagine. Or through yes. Zoom. So what's really awesome about this clinic um, is First of all, it's definitely a dream job for me because I always said that I wanted to, um, that dietitians and physicians, right? The partnership between dietitians and physicians was like the future of medicine. I, that's something that I've always had in my head about this partnership. Um, and so we have four physicians that work in our clinic um, and a health coach and myself. I got my little towel behind me. Um, and so we make up the team, the six of us. And what happens is the patients for this first round, um, when we piloted the clinic, uh, it was self-referral. So people who had the conditions of type 2 diabetes, um, obesity, hyperlipidemia, um, and they wanted to Im improve these cardiometabolic conditions and also wanted to really take on, you know, pre-diabetes, diabetes would come into our clinic. And so they see the doctor, they're assigned to one of the four doctors. Um, and then they come and see myself and then the health coach. So the model initially was to have us see a patient every two weeks um, and really get as many touch points as we could, you know, to help a patient transition into whole food plant-based lifestyle, which is amazing, you know, because uh, research definitely shows, you know, all those programs for health behavior change that 14 weeks is a great, you know, a great um, time for patients to be able to do a lasting behavior change, right? And the way that I like to present this to patients is by calling it a, an upgrade, a lifestyle upgrade, right? Because the word change uses a certain connotation. Isn't that pretty? Uses a certain connotation of... Um, being a little bit scary, you know, the word, like we're creatures of habit. Um, so sometimes it's, it's a little bit negative when you're thinking about doing a change, it can be a little scary. So I talk about um, a lifestyle upgrade because the word upgrade, you think about when you upgrade your phone, you don't want to go back to the old model. Um, and it's kind of like being, you know, AJ 2.0, right? And it's like a culinary adventure that we go on. It's a whole life adventure, you know, a new mindset. So it's really cool. 
and patients get excited about it. We've had some great results. We've published a case study, if you guys are interested. Um, we published a case study, one of our medical students wrote it. Um, we all contributed to it in the International Journal of Disease Prevention and Reversal. Um, I forget what, what issue it was. The date escapes me now, but we, we published our case study there. Um, and we are continuing with our patient program, uh, with our program patients, I'm sorry, virtually. So we have a Facebook group, you know, that's private and that, you know, we continue to see them in this way now that we, you know, we have all these restrictions virtually, but we've had a lot of success in our, in our program. So it's been great. It's been a wonderful, wonderful program. All right, okay. So now that I've added all of those, I add my garlic last. I always add my garlic last because it's the one that cooks the quickest. And I'm gonna blend all of this. All right. So you can probably already tell this is gonna give it a pretty color once, once it's blended, yep. What pan are you using, Lily? What pan? This is, you know, let's see. It's not my own pan. I'm in my, my dad and stepmom's kitchen, so I don't really know exactly what kind of pan I'm using, to be honest. Um, and the name says all, all Fia. I don't know. I haven't heard of that, but it's pretty good. Nothing sticking. I haven't needed to use my water yet because the tomato is very juicy. All right, so that's it. Just give it a, a quick saute. And now I already have my beans, my lima beans ready. I'm just going to show you. I just want to actually, how can I do this? Let's see. Maybe I should bring it up here. Okay, that's not my idea. I'm gonna show you guys what it looks like already. All right. See, they're nice and soft. Yeah, they're nice and soft and white. Okay, they're nice and soft and white. And basically what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna blend up this right here. Got my little blender here. All right. Let's see. Take away this. All right. Now, I have both a Vitamix that I just acquired and then this regular Oster blender <laughs> that is also a very popular brand in Peru. A lot of, a lot of kitchens have this. Um, so here we go. I'm gonna add a little water to it too, just a little bit. All right, here comes a little blender noise, guys. Actually, we don't hear it now, do we, guys? <laughs> oh, yes, we do. so good. I am a garlic person for sure. All right. So, I mean, it's also, it's up to you how fine you want to make this. Um, I don't know how, like texture wise, everybody's different, right? All right. So I'm just going to toss it in here. You'll see me, right? There you go. All right. 
good. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm going to bring back this uh, the pot here so you guys can see. Um, basically, mixing. Let me see if I can move the camera a little bit. There we go. Now you guys can see it. Aha. Uh -huh. There we go. Wow. Yeah. Don't you love the instant pot? I love it. Oh my gosh. So that's it. Lima beans in a very quick and tasty way. Now, what you would serve this usually in Peru, of course, you know, you never have food without rice. So it's always a white rice type of situation going on. Um, but of course, I want to upgrade my meal still being Peruvian. So I have already gone ahead and made some quinoa, red quinoa, which I thought, you know, color-wise would look pretty well with that. Um, so I'm going to plug this. Heidi says that Lily Bear is awesome. <laughs> Plant powered Peru, exclamation mark. <laughs> that is, I miss cooking with Heidi, I got to say. You know, we always had such a blast in the kitchen. Now, see these little tools that we also have in Peru? Everything in Peru, I feel like every, you know, in Peru, there's always such care in the kitchen. There's all these little tools that we have. Now, what we do here is we actually scoop the, I'm gonna scoop the quinoa in here, that's what I'm doing, so that it comes out into, you know, and then I pack it, I'm gonna pack it in here. This is how you might get it in, in a menu. So that's another cool concept that I really love when I'm having lunch in Peru and I'm in a hurry, is that around 12 to four, in many, many restaurants in the city, um, you they open up their kitchen to do a menu, menu del dia. So meaning that they have a certain plate of the day and it's very inexpensive. My favorite vegetarian one. Bam. <laughs> my oh my God, that looks amazing. Just that little bit made it look so pretty. So cute, right? So, you know, I have this plate right here and what I'm going to do is I'm just going to serve some of these beans right around. I don't have a big scooper. And I don't know where my, let's see, my stepmom keeps her, her stuff. So we're just going to wing it. Okay, guys. So I, that's how I'm used to when, when I go to other countries, like in mission trips, I'm used to winging a lot of things. So hopefully this looks okay. All right. Let's see here. I'm getting a workout with this, uh, holding this. <laughs> Adina says, if, if, if it's named after Lima, Peru, why are they called Lima beans? Why don't we call them Lima beans? There we go. Hi, Adina. <laughs> so the story about Lima beans, or yes, that's true, Lima beans, is that they actually are named after the city of Lima because that this, with the Spanish, when they conquered um, Peru, they brought it back to Europe in the 16th century, along with the potato, which I'll talk about next. All right, um, kind of like that, there we go. And there is the plate. Let's see, chef, you can kind of take a look there. Let's see, I'm gonna try to angle it. Yeah, that's kind of how you would get it, you know, in a menu. That sort looks like beautiful. Quinoa and the, the, the lima beans surrounding it, maybe a little basil to garnish it or something like that, and that's it. Very good. Um, yes, and so the, the lima beans are named after the city of Lima. So we should start a petition that they should, 
It should be called lima beans. That's true. But you know, in English, it's the lima bean. All right. So that was the first recipe there. Okay. Now, Let's move hey, on. Oh, yeah. At least I said they should call it Lima Linda instead of Loma Linda. <laughs> Loma nice Linda is a, is a cool, actually, it's also um, a Spanish name. Loma means uh, hill. And there's a lot of beautiful hills. It means beautiful hill. Loma Linda. Beautiful hill. So, I think your cousin is watching. Ah, very nice. Well, is pre, how do you say cousin in, in your language? Prima. Right. Girl cousin yeah. Primo is. All right. So Calla Lily says, hi, Primo. We are proud of you. Alarcon <laughs> family. That's my cousin, Vianita. She's That's an amazing artist. Yes. Okay. So uh, let's move on to this sweet potato mousse. Now, the sweet potato mousse is something that my mom used to make for us when we were little. And wanted ice cream, but you know, it's just not, ice cream is really nice, healthy. <laughs> so I have this big pot here. And what I'm gonna do is I am going to have the sweet potatoes, I'm gonna boil them. I already have them all cut up here. All right. Now, traditionally, um, when we blend these, after we boil them, the we take the skin off. So a lot of things in Peru, we take the skin off of things. And there's a movement now to, to start using, um, to start using, sorry, what am I doing? I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> to start um, keeping the peel on things because, you know, obviously we know that all, there's so much nutrition in this. All right, so I have the two large um, sweet potatoes here that are already just cored, you know, just cut up. I mean, they're gonna be blended. So you wanna, you wanna make sure that you're, you're cutting them into, even pieces so they'll cook together in a similar way. And what I do really is when I'm preparing it, I'm just gonna cut off the, the ends there, the roots. So I just, I don't wanna blend that part. Um, and then I just cut it up in chunks. So what I'm going to add to this, to this water uh, that's gonna, it's gonna boil in is clavos, so whole cloves. Very, very also important in Peruvian desserts is cloves and cinnamon, canela. We, we even have a tea, canela y clavo, my dad's favorite, um, because those are very traditional flavors that we use. So I'm adding six of these cloves in here. Whoop, lost one. I'm adding, so when you get cinnamon sticks at the store, they're usually about half the size. So this is kind of a large one. So I'm just gonna add the one here. All right, and then I'm going to add the water. And I'm adding just enough water to maybe be about halfway uh, so that they'll, and I'm gonna cover it so they'll boil in there. Um, it'll smell really nice. Now my mom's secret in there is actually going to come from orange peel. So I'm just gonna do cutting up a piece just this big. I'm gonna put it in the pot as well. Hey Lily, people are asking what the name of that really cool tool is that you got plated the quinoa with and where do you get it? Well, this. You know, <laughs> I should ask my mom this. Um, I don't know what the name of it is, but, and I don't know if you can get it here or where. Um, definitely 
you might be able to get it in one of those um, Spanish market stores that has all these different products from, you know, South American countries, because this is kind of a really popular tool, but she brings all her stuff back from Peru. So that's, that's where she got it. In the mercado, in the market, probably like five soles, which is a dollar. <laughs> but it's so cute, you know? I love it because it makes it look so pretty. Okay. And then also to this mix, I'm going to add the, the what did I say in here, the teaspoon of vanilla extract. All right. So this is gonna make your house smell amazing, of course, as it's boiling. Now I'm using, I'm trying to stay as traditional as possible. So I'm using this uh, vanilla that my mom got in Peru that you can actually also get here in the United States. Um, they, uh, <laughs> they sell a lot of Peruvian products in various little markets, um, at least definitely here in New York or in Boston, the, the more of the major cities. I'm gonna put that to boil there. Okay, let's see. This is an interesting kitchen that I'm using. It's got a lot of, hey, I'm gonna show you guys. It's, uh, it's one of those where you use this little dashboard here and you're hitting like a number. So I wanna make sure that I'm hitting the right one. And there's all these levels from zero to nine. So it's kind of, it's, kind of, it's very high tech for me, but it's cool, I like it. We're working with it. All right, so now I'm just gonna leave that in there to boil. Um, and when, and then I'm gonna turn it down when it boils so that it's just simmering there for maybe about, what did I say here, 15 minutes or so, 12 to 15 minutes until the sweet potatoes are really soft. And then what I'm gonna do is I'm just going to take those out of the water. Um, and it's just the sweet potatoes. I don't wanna, I wanna, don't wanna use the cinnamon stick or the cloves to blend. I just want to make sure it's just the sweet, the sweet potatoes. But I do want to, the water's going to reduce and it's going to have a nice caramelly also taste to it. Um, so I'm going to keep some of that water to, one, to soak the dates in as I put the rest of the ingredients. And two, because if you want, as, as we're starting to look at texture, you can add the, the almond vanilla milk unsweetened and this water you know, so that it can continue to grab that, that flavor that it was, um, that it was cooked in. All right, so I'm gonna show you guys what that looks like here. There we go. But you, you wouldn't wanna cook those in the Instant Pot, right? You know, you could. Uh, now, but, but the only thing that I like about this, or what I like about it, is that this aroma that it gives off in the house, you know, when, when uh, when all of this is boiling, it's that cinnamon, clove, and or and uh, citrusy kind of in the air. So that's why I like doing it here. Um, and also, I can I can control looking at how much the water is reducing, um, so that I make sure that I that I keep enough water to use it. Yeah. All right. So I got my cloves. All right. Let's see. Yeah, I got everything in there, right? Yes. Okay, very good. So we'll leave that on the pot there. And I'm going to move on to the topping for it. Now, pecans are actually something that we use. Let me grab those here. Penny says that the, the, uh, the tool, you can get them at Latino or Hispanic markets. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I would imagine you, there might be something people already have in their house they could use, like just a small bowl. Yeah, or, you know, one of these. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And why not a measuring cup? Sure. Yeah. 
But I mean, I think that what's cool about it also is it's got this, this cute little button in there, you know? And that's what made it. It makes indentation. That is cute. Uh, uh, Lily Maya says, do Peruvians use spice like Mexicans do, like chili peppers, etc.? Aha. Yes, that's a great question, Maya. And we do have this culture of the various spices, uh, the various chili peppers that we use. And the, the what I'm going to make today, the last little recipe I'll whip up really quick is just a sauce. Um, that goes over potatoes and it uses our star of the cuisine, which is the ají amarillo. So I will show you that next. All right, I'm just taking a cup here of the pecans. I'm gonna put it in there. All right, and then I am taking some, oh, actually, oops, sorry guys. Okay, so I have maple syrup and you know, you, you can vary it uh, to sweetness. If you like it a little bit sweeter, use two of the tablespoons. If you don't like it as sweet, but you still want, you know, a little crunchy coating on there, use the one. Um, when you're putting something like the maple syrup and you're coating these pecans, you can definitely go ahead and add, you know, some spices on there if you like. So basically I'm just, you know, moving it all around, making sure they all get coated. Um, you can, uh, what I added earlier today when I was first making it is some of that pumpkin spice because it's the season, right? It's the fall season. And so after I put the maple on, I added, you know, just a few sprinkles of the pumpkin spice and moved it all around. Yeah, that's it. So with this, you know, really all you have to do, uh, once you get it nice and coated there is you just have to not line one of these little hands with some parchment paper or the sill pads. I have those sill pads um, and make sure they're all spread out. Oven at, what did I say here, 350? Yep, uh, check, it, check it at 10. Everybody's oven runs different temperatures, right? Um, and then mine took about 15 minutes to get that nice. You'll see the, the color start shifting. Um, then you take it out, let it cool completely. And by the end, it will look like this. <laughs> I already have them made because unfortunately our, our oven here is under repair. So now they're looking a little, oh, they smell nice. Oh, it looks like dessert. I love that you said that everybody's oven runs differently. And for like $10, you can get an oven thermometer. And I really recommend people get one. Yes. I just got one of those actually. Mm. Laurel says, what special potatoes do you love from Peru? Special containers. No, potatoes. Oh, potatoes, my containers, potatoes. Papa Guairo is uh, my favorite potato and Papa, there's two, Papa Amarilla, a yellow potato and Guairo is, you know, just a, a, any, a, again, a Quechua language name for a type of potato. So what's cool about, you know, where I come from is that the potatoes originate from Peru and we have over 4,000 varieties of potatoes there. Is that crazy? 4,000 varieties. Now, every it's May- impossible. I know. Every May 30th, we celebrate the day of the potato in Peru. Um, and the last registry that I read just you know, prior to this demo, actually, um, there was about 60, if I remember correctly, 6,500 uh, varieties of potatoes registered. Um, and now a lot of these varieties actually never see the marketplace because they are exchanged within the Andean communities. Um, so for wedding gifts or, you know, different communal feasts and things like that, 
but there are there are you know over 6,500 varieties of potatoes registered um, in Peru, which is amazing. I've tasted a, you know quite a variety of them. Today I have two that I actually brought to show you guys, so I can make the sauce here real quick for you. Uh, this is this is Papa Guaido. This is the, the Peruvian potato. It comes like it comes frozen. Um, you can get it at, again at the Spanish markets. They will sell these. Uh, and they just they will come frozen. This is the papa amarilla, the yellow potato. Now this is one of my favorites because of the texture. Let me open it. Um, you can see the bright yellow of it, but the texture of it is actually really buttery. So when you bite into it, you know it's, you don't even need anything on it. In my opinion, you, if you just boil it and you know put a little salt in the water, ah, it's delicious. So for this papa guayro is, or the papa amarilla is what we're gonna put the sauce that I'm gonna make um, right now um, on, okay? So we have that. All right, how are we doing on time, chef? Right, take, take, what, take whatever time you need. We're good? Okay, so while this, so while my water is boiling right now, I'm actually gonna show you real quick, um, let's see, this sauce, okay. So let me get set up here for this one canina sauce. All right. So my blender bag. All right. Now, the one canina sauce, you guys, is actually one of the most popular entrees that you'll see in Peru. Um, every household knows how to make this sauce. Um, every restaurant offers the appetizer of it. It's, it's one of our flagship appetizers. So the traditional way of making it, where's my peppers? Let me get situated real quick. Okay, the traditional way of making this sauce, this is the star of our cuisine. And Maya was asking, this is the, the ají amarillo or the yellow chili pepper. This is a mild pepper. Um, and some people have compared it to maybe in taste to a serrano pepper. So if that's what's available in the area, you might be, you can make this sauce, you know, with the serrano peppers. That's something that I put in the recipe that you know I sent over. Uh, I just sent it over like ten minutes ago, chef. Before we start, no, I, I got it in the show notes. I had to, I had to cut a few words out because I was limited to five thousand. But your, okay. all your recipes are in the show notes cool, cool, cool. on YouTube. Facebook doesn't do that. Okay, nice. So um, basically, the 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 traditional recipe has fresh cheese and it's got five of these guys. So it's, it's a sauce that we're gonna put over potatoes. Um, it's got a little bit of onion, red onion, and it's gonna have some um, garlic. And it usually has soda crackers. It also gives it a little bit of a base. So I'm trying to imitate all of those flavors of the, the queso fresco, which I'm not using, and the soda crackers, right? So this, these are the, this is why I chose all the ingredients that I did to make this sauce. Um, what I did is I actually have um, roasted cashews and I soak these overnight and I'm gonna use this, you know, to replace that soda cracker type of taste. Uh, I'm also gonna use, since I'm not using cheese, I'm gonna do a little bit of a squeeze of lemon because it actually does traditionally have the lemon squeeze at the end in it. Um, so I'm gonna use more than just a squeeze. I'm gonna use a half of lemon, right? And our plant power cheese <laughs> that, that we always know about, right? This nutritional yeast. 
So that's going to be really the, the sauce. Now, um, some people, there, one green planet I remember has a recipe for, for it um, that Heidi and I actually did at, at Kaiser. Sorry, one second here. Um, and they don't, they don't saute anything. They just put everything right in the, um, right in the blender, which is interesting. Um, it tasted really good. You know, I can, I can definitely send you that one over too if people want to try it. I thought it was a, a good one. The color didn't match the huancaina that Peruvians would know. And what I'm trying to do as I learn more of these recipes is really also make it appealing to, to my Peruvian peeps. Now, this recipe here was actually taste tested by my mom, my grandma, my stepdad who used to own a restaurant in Peru. So we know it's legit. <laughs> I had everybody taste everything. Okay. So what we do here, all right, is I'm actually gonna saute some of these peppers that I've already, um, these yellow peppers that I've already taken the seeds and the little white veins out of, um, and some of these onions here. So again, similar thing, we're gonna throw it all in the blender once it's sauteed and cooked up. Um, now, the thing when you're working with chili peppers and I don't know if you can speak to this as well, chef, but sometimes you get that really um, in the air where it, it just, you're breathing in that spice. <laughs> so you gotta make sure you clean it really well. Um, otherwise you're gonna start doing a little coughing with this. Cause you know, the spice is very, very strong. It'll get in the air. If you breathe it in, it'll, it'll definitely affect you. Okay. All right. So I'm warming up my pan again. And while I'm doing that, also I'm going to rinse this off real quick. All right, because I am going to cut this up here. worry too much about making this uniform or anything like that just kind of this onion in a way that it'll saute evenly um, and we're not going to do it for that long just to give it a nice flavor here throw that in the pan all right so let's see. I just threw that right in the pan there take these ingredients out of the way Okay, and then I'm going to cut up the peppers. Now, I already warned my dad to go into the other room and lock the door <laughs> in case I didn't clean this visa well enough where they're not going to omit that really strong, spicy air that my poor mom and grandma <laughs> were choking on yesterday as I tried these recipes <laughs> out. So what, if you're, if you're cooking with these particular yellow peppers, like you go to the Spanish market, you find Peruvian products and you use these, um, you want to saute three of them. And then you are, we're going to put in one without sauteing, just raw. Usually it's two, but I am kind of a wimp when it comes to spices. So I definitely, uh, a lot of people are like, oh, you're not Peruvian. And I tell them because I don't like spicy food. 
and I tell them that I am more Peruvian than the potato, mas peruana que la papa, the saying that we have, but I just don't enjoy being in pain when I eat my food. <laughs> so that is the reason why I do not enjoy a lot of spice, like very, very spicy food, okay? All right, let me grab my spoon real quick here. All right. So I want you guys to check out this really bright, awesome color there that we got going on. There we go. Very cool. All right. And my garlic clove, I'm just gonna pop in there too. Those are the, we give this a little, maybe just a couple of minutes and then we're gonna blend it up. That's it. So what do you, Lily, tell us about your day. What do you eat uh, all day? And what do you do for exercise? Tell us a little bit about your life. What about me? Okay. Um, I like to, I actually do eat a lot of legumes. Of course, I love, luckily we grew up, my grandma used to cook um, a lot of legumes. Every day we had a different one. Lentils, beans, the lima beans. Um, and so I want, I mean, I think lentils are definitely my go-to though, because they're so quick to cook. And pre-COVID, I was always uh, running around with, you know, my job and, and all of these projects. And so I want to come home to a, a quick home cooked meal. So I'll do a lot of prep with, you know, if I want to do a quick lentil soup, I'll do that. Or if I, you know, I'll do, I usually do meal preps on Sundays too, where I'll do a big batch of beans. I'll do quinoa. I'll do uh, usually a couple of different bases. So sometimes I'll just roast a bunch of sweet potatoes in the oven. So I have it for the few days. And other times um, I'll do black rice or, or quinoa. That's also quick. But, and I freeze it. And I tend to uh, definitely just do more cooking. I want to do as much cooking as possible. So meal prep is always a thing that I am working towards. And as far as exercise goes, I, I try to be consistent with at least three days. I love weightlifting. That's definitely a lot more than cardio, but I know I have to do cardio because it's important for us. <laughs> so um, three days a week is my, my constant. Doesn't always work out that way, but if it doesn't, I definitely keep myself busy with the walking. Um, but currently, you know, since COVID, I've actually been uh, doing a lot better with just being in one place and being able to do my home workout routines. Um, I do, uh, I follow this company called Exos a lot. They, they have a, a really great workout system, Exos at home. It's free on YouTube. Um, I, I interned for them when I was a student uh, at Loma Linda and I interned for them for my sports nutrition rotation. So I'm actually doing a research study with them as well now for the next uh, nine months where I have to work out for three days with this app they've given me and um, an additional 90, 90 minutes. So it's 180 minutes a week. That's where I'm at these days. Both so your, is sports nutrition, is that different than, uh, than just, is it, is, tell, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, yeah. do you real, if somebody's athletic, they really have to worry about their nutrition more than if they're just a regular plant-based eater? So that's a great question, Chef. Um, if someone is, is athletic, as you say, so for example, someone like someone like me, you know, if I you know I can call myself athletic, 
in the sense that I try to keep a consistent workout and um, I wouldn't have to eat too much different versus someone who was training to be an Olympic athlete, such as my good friend, um, Arian Jones, who's actually someone I went to school with uh, at the Natural Gourmet, and she was competing in luge at the Olympic level. So her type of nutrition, you know, as she's doing uh, more plant-based stuff would, would have to be a little bit different timing-wise um, when we're looking at, for example, a food that has a lot of fiber, like the type of legume that you choose to eat before a competition, for example, and the transit time that it takes to digest. Like we'd have to really start to key in a little bit more on all of those aspects. Um, and if you are, for example, if you have type, that, type 1 diabetes and you are a competitive athlete, nutrition is definitely going to be different, you know, we're gonna, you're gonna want to work with a registered dietitian in order to be able to um, timing of insulin and, you know, the, uh, to avoid hypoglycemia after an exercise bout, you know. Yeah. You know, I've always liked RDs, but I have such a newfound respect for them since hosting the Truth About GI Health Summit, which is free, guys, and I'll post the link November 14th to 22nd, yeah. because they, they are, they specialize, some of these dietitians in just gut health, and then even in in different diseases of gut health and they, they're just so knowledgeable. Yeah, you know, thank you, Chef, um, for bringing that up too. There's within my profession, there's definitely different specialties that that um, are also board certifications. So we can specialize in oncology nutrition and sports nutrition and geriatric nutrition. Um, and there, yeah, there's a few levels of specialties there versus a, a general dietitian, kind of like when you're looking at with doctors, you know, there's general medicine, right? There's cardiologists, nephrologists, and those kinds of specialties. So yeah, pretty cool. I'm sure you saw the movie Game Changers. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Loved it. Actually, we had a we went with the team. So we all did like a, a movie movie night date with our um, plant based uh, plant based clinic team, which is great. Yes. What did you think of that uh, documentary, Chef? I really enjoyed it. I really did. Good. You know, I love that it's, you know, getting the word out there about um, kind of going full circle with how I got interested in plant-based nutrition, for example, right? As, a, as, a, as an athlete competing in high school and college. And really, that, and again, at that time when people were saying that plant-based diets were really inferior for um, performance, right? And really seeing that, you know, these examples in front of me that they were not, and now really getting the research out there and getting the awareness out there that no, they're, um, they're not inferior to an omnivore diet and it can be just as competitive and we can even bring a competitive edge, which is awesome, you know? It's an awesome thing that science continues to catch up to all of this. All right. So, don't you miss Dr. Batiste though? <laughs> Yeah, you know, what's cool is that he's so awesome. I, I still get to be in touch with him from now and then. Obviously, he's very, very busy. Um, but we actually just recently, I, I got to talk to him um, because I contributed to an article with, with Sharon Palmer wrote, which you had on who you had on your show uh, a few weeks back um, on ethics and, you know, racism and just all these considerations when it comes to the plant-based world. And that was published in Today's Dietitian. Um, and so I, I had a great conversation with Dr. Batista around all of those issues because, uh, you know, as you know, he is working on that project, Slave Food. Um, and 
he is also really devoted to bringing awareness to all of these all of these great topics. So, okay, I'm plugging plugging my uh, yep blender back in here. Bring this back. All right. So now again, make sure I turn that off. Okay, good. Now making the sauce. sure I'm looking at everything that I'm putting in here. I got everything going on. All right, so I have those. Um, usually for this, you want to use an almond milk or a cashew-based milk that doesn't have any uh, flavoring in it. I'm gonna throw this cashew milk in here. Let's see. And then we have our raw pepper. I did five yesterday, the two raw, and I just, like I said, it was way too hot for me, but everybody else approved and said that that definitely is what it tastes, what it should taste like. So, you know, who am I to argue with the Peruvian taste? Ah, here we are. This is what I was looking for. I got my nutritional yeast. Got my quarter cup of nutritional yeast. So again, replacing that queso fresco type of taste, the soda crackers, because we don't want to use, you know, those uh, processed white crackers in here. All right, so I got my onion that's sauteed, my peppers. The salt, you know, that's something up to taste again. Um, you can use, the consensus was that one teaspoon actually gave it the, the flavor of Peru. Lily, sorry for interrupting. People keep asking about the exos. They don't know how to spell it. Oh, sorry, E-X-O-S. Thanks. Yes, no problem. My patients know all about it because I always recommend that their workouts to them. Okay, girl, oh, whoa, almost forgot the lemon. Uh-oh. All right. See. What are you making for Thanksgiving, Lily? Oh, so I have a funny story about Thanksgiving. Plant-based, my first, uh, one of my first plant-based um, Thanksgivings. Do you guys remember when mashed cauliflower, like the potato mashed cauliflower stuff was really, started to be really big? So I tried that one year <laughs> for my family. My, so my family uh, is not, does not do entirely plant-based like I do. And I tried that cauliflower mash on them once and they were very upset with me. <laughs> this is when I was just learning how to cook. Um, and, you know, I, I, I got really yelled at around why did I ruin the, the, the mashed potatoes. I since have learned how to make them in a way that is a little bit you know, more to the taste of traditional potatoes with the cauliflower. Okay, so I have all my ingredients in there. And now...
So this is my sauce that's gonna go over the, well, it's a little watery. I'm sorry, I think I might, I, sorry guys. I put a little too much of the milk on there. Uh, I think I was measuring the wrong thing there, but I actually have another one that I made. So when stuff like this happens, I already know. This is the one from last night. I'll show you the consistency it's supposed to be. This off here. My sweet potatoes. Let me grab a spoon. I can show you. All right. This is the way that's supposed to look. Nice. That looks delicious. There we go. Yes. So you know what, guys? I'm actually. I think I wrote it um, off here. Yes, I did. So I want everybody to take their pencils if you've printed this out, <laughs> this recipe out, or you're going to. And there's just half a cup of the cashew milk on there because that way you get this consistency. All right, that's how we want it. All right, now let me let me plate it for you guys real quick so I can show you how it's served in Peru. All right, I have a nice little glass plate here. I have my lettuce that I've already washed and soaked. So I'm using a, a nice le a Boston lettuce leaf here. It's usually how it's served traditionally. I'm gonna have my potato, my papa huayro. Now, traditionally, how we serve the, the papa la huacaina is people would traditionally um, peel all of the potato, um, but I'm not going to do that because I like the peel on. Okay. So, okay. And what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna pour it over here. Mm -hmm. There we go. All right. Guys, don't forget to come back at 2 p.m. We have another potato cooking demo, this time with Dr. Gustavo Tolosa. Usually you would you would serve it with, um, let's see. There you go. It, it almost looks like a hollandaise sauce. Yeah. Yeah, you could say that. You could say it's a, it's a little thicker than, than hollandaise and uh, the color will vary, um, but yeah. So it's supposed to be a cheese sauce. Now the story here is that this, it was a, a lady that was making these type of sauce over serving it over potatoes, a lady from Huancayo. It's the city of Huancayo. That's where it gets its namesake. When people were, the workers were building the train from the city of Huancayo to Lima. And so this lady became famous for her sauce. It traveled all the way to Lima. And now this, what Papa La Huancayina is served in every household all across Peru. And again, every restaurant. And here's the vegan version. Usually served with a boiled egg and um, olive, black olive. Yeah, but you can obviously omit that. <laughs> All right. And finally, Jeff, since I know that uh, we don't want to feel like I've gone over time a lot, I'm just going to serve up the what I have um, for, I'm going to plate real quick for you guys the dessert. Um, and then I already have it made up from yesterday, this mousse. I was gonna make it here in the 
Let me see this. Here's the consistency of it. The sweet potato mousse. Once I take all of those sweet potatoes and the dates and I blend it up, that I do use the Vitamix for, but you can use, you know, whatever blender you have to. Um, I, like I said, my mom used to just make this in, uh, in the, her regular Oster blender at home. Let me see. All right. Hang on. Yeah, that was my blender growing up, the Oster, and it's still a pretty darn good blender. There you go. Same. Kind of like that. So you got the pecans on top, you serve it like, uh, like a nice little mousse there. Now, this recipe was, was approved by um, our, plant, our plant clinic <laughs> team. We actually had a dinner where we celebrated some birthdays the other day and I did a taste test for them of three different kinds. So with the peel off of the sweet potato, like my mom would do it with the peel on um, and the other one wasn't even boiled. It was just oven roasted. And this is the one that, that beat everybody up. So that's the recipe that you guys have um, for Dr. Michelle McMacken and the plant team. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God, that looks delicious. That would be yeah. a great holiday. That would be a great holiday dessert for Thanksgiving or Christmas or anytime actually. Yeah, and you know, uh, my colleague Chrisanne and I were talking about that this could also, the health coach uh, for our program and I were talking about that this could also be like a pie filling you know, it just tastes, it tastes really good. You can try it out with different, um, with different recipes, but the base of it is that the flavor is very good. All right. Well, Lily, thank you so much. It's, I, it's so great to connect with you again. And I did not know you were such a fabulous chef. Oh, well, thank, thank you, chef. This is my first appearance. Well, I hope it's not your last. Please come back anytime. Maybe Heidi would like to come on too. Yeah, that'd be awesome. You guys could do it together. You don't have to be, you know, with Zoom, you can be in two different locations. That's true. I would love to do it with her. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lily. Thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. But the day is not done. We have a triple header today. So in just a little bit under two hours, we have another fabulous cooking demo. And de I keep saying demo. There's no such word. Demo. <laughs> and a possibly a fabulous piano recital from Dr. Gustavo Tolosa, who will be broadcasting from Argentina with another potato recipe. Everybody's saying gracias, Lily. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Ciao.